Welcome to the Promise Center Church. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoy this message. Visit our website at thepromisecenter.com to learn more and to connect with us. How's it going, Promise Center? Man, this place is alive. I love it. You may be seated. Thank you guys for standing. And uh, I want to say good night to everybody. It is nighttime where I was for two weeks in Israel. Woke up at 3 a.m. in this morning, and I've had five cups of coffee, and I plan on having three or four more before the day is over. Hallelujah. Amen. Hey, I want to tell you, this house, this house uh, belongs to you, belongs to us. It's our house, and we, we, want, we just open our heart to God every weekend and say, Lord, we're trusting you. We're believing you, not to do things based on what we've experienced, but based on the expectation of the faith you've put in our heart. And I believe that today God is going to heal somebody, touch somebody's life. You're not going to leave the same way that you came. Amen? We like to say it like this. This place is safe for sinners, but it's dangerous for sin. You come into this house, you will be transformed by the power of the Spirit. Amen? Amen. So we, did get, we just got back from Israel on Friday. We've eaten a lot of falafels and shawarma. And you eat enough, you eat enough falafels, you become a falafel. That's kind of how it works. We're kind of feeling it. And you, we land in America, and what do you want? You want in and out Come on, somebody. God bless in and out And then what do you follow up with? Tacos, street tacos. It's got to be dirty. It's got to be a little greasy. But that's what the Lord brought into our hearts when we landed into America. Amen. So... Today we're talking about heart. Everybody say heart. And we're going to be, we're going to be examining this uh, subject with heart. We're going to start a sermon series today. So it's a sermon series that's going to kind of unpack some big ideas. We're going to define heart because when we say, how's your heart? We say, how's your heart? There's a lot of you that are, that are uh, looking down at your Fitbit or your Apple Watch and you're thinking, oh, yeah, my heart's doing good, heart rate is doing fine, and you're thinking about the muscle in your chest. Now, you know, growing up we didn't have Fitbits and Apple Watches, but what we did have was a mood ring. Anybody have a mood ring back in the day? That's how we knew how we were doing. We didn't need a Fitbit. That thing goes purple, you know something's wrong, all right? But, uh, but we're not talking about that heart, we're talking about a different heart, we're talking about the heart that's deep within. We're talking about the inner world. We're going to be talking about the inner world for the next couple of weeks. And uh, I believe it's going to be a journey that is going to challenge us. And I like the challenge. I, I, I want challenge over comfort. Challenge, ch- when we're challenged, we're changed. And, and this house is about spiritual formation and growth. And uh, that we're, not, we're, not, we're not trying to, to, to mess up your world. We're trying to enlighten uh, your path so you can walk out your faith and find victory and freedom. Because we believe it's an inalienable right to have freedom and victory in Jesus. And so we're assuming that, we're taking that, we're owning that, and we're saying yes to God's best for our life. So let's go to, God, let's go to the scriptures, Proverbs chapter 4 and 23. I'm going to read a couple sets of verses, and then we're going to uh, set up a conversation. Today we're going to kind of get a, a, a big picture about heart, and then we're going to kind of submerge uh, next week. And we'd love for you to come back next weekend. Like, let's make some cadence. Let's make, make the weekends matter. Um, we have Saturday night. Anybody uh, liking Saturday night, those who have come and tried it out? And so you're welcome to come. We do have a little bit more time for worship. So the worshipers who want to lean in, we got that time and flexibility. We'd love for you to join us on Saturday nights and, and always try to make room in the middle because um, 1015 is prime time for Sunday. So always trying to make room, more options, uh, more seats, more souls in Jesus' name. So uh, try that out if you'd like. Proverbs 4 and 23 says this, Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Everything you do flows from it. Jeremiah 17 and 9 says this, 
The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? But I, the Lord, search all hearts and examine secret motives. God knows. He knows heart. I, I give all people their due rewards according to their actions deserved. All right, 1 Samuel chapter 13 and 14. This is the story of a man uh, who becomes king. His name is Saul. He has a wicked heart. He has a heart of stone. He has a heart that's not after God. He has a heart that's not pleasing to God. And so God says, I gotta, I, I gotta, I'm, I'm looking for someone different. 1 Samuel 13 and 14 says this, But now your kingdom will not endure. God speaking through Samuel the prophet to Saul. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. And appointed him ruler of his people because you've not kept the Lord's commandment. Skipping down, 1 Samuel 16 and 1 says this. The Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul? Since I've rejected him as king over Israel, fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. 1 Samuel uh, 16 and 6 says this. And they arrived, and Samuel saw Eliab, and thought, surely the Lord's anointing stands here before the Lord. So David had some big brothers, seven of them, and they were tall, they were handsome, they were strong. It's almost like an, an episode of The Bachelorette. They started coming out of the car, and Samuel's like, whoa, these guys are strong. These guys, this has got to be it. Eliab has to be it. And look what God says. He says, do not consider his appearance or his height. For I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. It's heart that matters. We got to start with heart. Heart is the principal thing. So that's our prayer today. Heavenly Father, open our minds, our spirits, and our hearts to receive your word, to understand with spiritual wisdom and understanding. Do a miracle in this house. You're going to give us new hearts and new and fresh spirits to do your will in the earth. We honor you and we thank you for this time together. In Jesus' name we pray and everybody say amen. Now when we talk about heart, there's a lot of connotations and ideas about heart that we all have. We've all had our, you know, Heartbroken. Anybody ever have a heartbreak? Anybody here? Anybody? Anybody? All right. We've had that feeling. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm heartbroken. I had it when I was in Israel just last week. We were in Capernaum. I believe it was Capernaum. Someone can correct me when, when we're done here, some of those who went to Israel. But we're in Capernaum. This is Jesus' like hub. This is where he lived during his ministry. He moved from Nazareth and he went to Capernaum. This is where Peter and Peter's mother-in-law and his family lived. And this is where the, the, the four friends with the paraplegic guy, uh, they tore the roof off and lowered him down into the house and Jesus healed him and a lot of great miracles a lot of things happened in Capernaum and we're walking along and the guide is like so this is where this happened and these rocks you can see the formation oh I don't know if he got a text or an email he's he said into the speaker we had a little like little they're called whispers so you can hear so if you're not like right next to him you can still hear and he says oh just heard Clint Eastwood is dead and we were all like Clint Eastwood is dead and it kind of broke our hearts, and we're all kind of like crying and praying and mourning and sackcloth and ashes. Like Clint Eastwood, he's a Californian, good guy. You know, it's, he's good, and he's not bad, and he's not ugly. He's a good dude, you know. Some of you know what I'm talking about. But anyways, we're, we're like so sad. And so we keep going. He keeps talking. We're just kind of like, I'm kind of mourning through Capernaum, just like, oh. Uh. And then he gets back on the speaker. He's on the speaker, and he goes, oh, Clint Eastwood is not dead after all. It wasn't true. I don't even know where he's getting his information. I don't know what happened. But I was like, we're in Israel. Clint Eastwood dies. He's alive again. Only in Israel can you have something like this happen. This is amazing. This is amazing. 
All right? My heart was broken. And so the question is, like, what is the heart? So we've got a definition of heart, and I want to put it up on the screen for you. I want you kind of, we're, we're going to, you can take a screen, you can take a, a, a picture of it if you want. We can get this out to you uh, via social media. But this is a, this is a definition, and, and it's a lot of pieces that come together because there's a lot of components to the heart. And this is all, this is all um, garnered through Scripture. So we're putting Scriptures together of the description of heart. So we're not, we're not defining it, but we're describing heart. It's the ruling center of the whole person. The spring of all desires, home of of the personal life, central wisdom of a person's being, the engine of both knowing and believing. For instance, the Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. So in your heart, you have the capacity to believe or choose to not believe. It's the source of all motives, discernment, and will. Now, we have this great and dire warning. Above all else, guard your heart for Everything you do flows from it. It's just like a little tag. It's like a little label that is warning us about our heart. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen one of these before, but there's labels on things. In fact, Saturday, my kids are like, you've been gone. And, and so, like, my wife brings some toys and some, some stuff from Israel, and she gets all the credit because she gives it to them. They're like, Mom, what did you get me? I'm like, well, I participated in that. But So I was like, okay, let's go to the store. I'll get you some some. some some toys or something. So we went to, I'm a high roller, so we went to the dollar store, and uh, we're, in, we're in the dollar store, and Jude is like, hey, I, this is what I want. And so he gets a bag of blow pops. Remember blow pops back in the day? And this is his cell. He's a smart little kid, nine years old. He's like, they're healthy. I was like, healthy? He's like, look, peanut-free, gluten-free. He's like, dad, these are, I said, these are diabetes on a stick. You have no idea what you're asking for peanut-free and gluten-free, all right? I'm like, so then it got me thinking about these labels that we, that we, we see on, on different items. So I thought, I'll just, we'll, we'll talk about it because there's always some warnings. Like Vidal Sassoon, if you don't look good, we don't look good, right? Um, this is an important warning because people evidently are sleeping while blowing, blow-drying their hair. So don't use while sleeping. That makes sense, right? I, I, makes sense to me. I don't need that, but I guess it's okay. How about a hair straightener? Anybody straighten their hair? This is a warning that not only will it straighten your hair, it could burn your eyeball out. So please be careful. We don't want you to burn your eyeball out. Or the rope with the guy who's climbing the mountain. At the very bottom it says, not suitable for climbing. Thank you for the bait and switch. And for those who try to swallow hangers, this one is really important because... This is happening all over the world. People are swallowing hangers, and if we don't do something now, hashtag no more swallowing hangers, the world will not be the same. We've got to fix this. And then the ant trap, of course, um, it may contain peanuts. And for those who really are hungry, and all you have is an ant trap, please call us. We have life packs. We have, we have a lot of resources that we can get into your hands, all right? Um, remove plastic before uh, use. That's kind of a no-brainer. Uh, this is at a church, and this is, this is good. Uh, articles of value should not be left on seats whilst, I love that, receiving Holy Communion. So while you're receiving the Lord's body, someone can be taking your stuff. Be careful. I, I love this one. Wash inside out. Remove child before washing. Because you know we're all prone to just throwing our kid in a washing machine and cleaning the whole child at the... Do not give the bison psychoactive substances. 
What is our world coming to? Does anybody know? The Lord's coming back. Swimming notice, Minnesota state law strictly prohibits underwater smoking. <laughs> Do not breathe under the water. Thank you. Moving propeller, rip off head, heads. All right, we'll stop there. There's more. We'll stop there. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. All right, so let, let's talk about the heart. Let's, let's unpack this a little bit because we, we got to realize, I think this is, this is first and foremost, that the most dangerous thing in your life is not the devil, it's not gluten, it's not the Taliban, okay? The most, the, the most dangerous thing in your life is your heart. If we don't get this right... If we don't understand what the Bible's teaching us about our heart and managing our heart and, 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 and protecting our heart and guarding our heart and investing in our heart, most of us have invested today more in our hair than our heart. Some of you have curled, primped. Some of you have, you have even trimmed and cut. Some of you have put mousse. Anybody still using mousse? I don't know. 1980s is still, it's still around. Uh, gel. We're still, we take care of our hair. But what about our heart? What are we doing with our heart? This is an important question because we're not good of ta at taking care of the things that matter most. In the Intermedicine, an article, they said 100 per out of 100 people who re receive a prescription from their doctor, one-third don't even pick it up. And half of the 67 that do pick it up don't take it correctly. And there's many who don't even take it, even those who need it for anti-rejection of an organ transplant. We're not good at taking care of ourselves. We're not good at making sure that, that we are well. But it's interesting, the opposite is true for those who get a prescription for their, for their puppy or their cat from the vet. Little Toto, we serve him the right pills every single time, all right? It's a complete opposite. Now, here's, what, here's what's interesting. The biggest enemy of me is me. The heart is deceitful. The heart is wicked. And here's why it's so, this is why it's so dangerous. The enemy, the devil, if he wants to mess with you, if he wants to tempt you, wants to come after you, wants to try to sift you as wheat, he has to get permission from God. You don't have to get permission from God to sabotage your own life, to fill your heart with wicked and evil and trash. We can do it because we're free moral agents. And so we have to get this right. The Bible says when we get the heart right, everything flows out of it correctly. Acts chapter 8 and 18 says this. When Simon saw that the Spirit was given to the apostles that laid their hands on people, he offered them money to buy this power. Let me have this power too, he exclaimed, so that when I lay my hands on people, they will receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter replied, may your money be destroyed with you for thinking God's gift can be bought. You can have no part in this, for your heart is not right with God. You have a heart problem. A little bit of a head problem, but you have a heart problem. Acts chapter 1 and 23, watch this, it says this. So they nominated two men, jo Joseph called uh, Barsabas, also known as Justice, and then Matthias. Who are these two people that nominated? Well, J well, Judas has killed himself. Judas is no longer part of the 12 of, of the disciples, now the apostles. And so the Bible says in the Old Testament that they would have to fill this office. And so they had these two men that were qualified to, do, to, 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 to fill this office. They were there at Jesus' baptism. They were there at Jesus' uh, ministry. They saw Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. They were eyewitnesses. This was is so important. But here's what they say. Watch this. Even though they qualified in all the areas, then they all prayed, O oh Lord, you know every heart. 
even though both of these guys look qualified on the outside, only you really, really know the heart. Can I tell you that God specializes in hearts? God knows what's really inside of you. He knows your motives. He knows the mind of your heart. He knows what you're feeling. He knows your ambitions. He knows your, your spiritual appetite. God knows heart. Matthew chapter 5 and 27, he says this, you have heard the commandment that says you must not commit adultery, but I say anyone who even looks at a woman to lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Here's what Jesus is all about. He's all about getting to the source. He's all about not dealing with the, with the symptom, but getting to the substance. What is the real issue? Yes, adultery is bad, but let's move back. Let's go back to the root. Where does this come from? It comes from a heart that hasn't been reconciled, that hasn't been healed, that hasn't been transformed by the power of God. And God is in the business of changing hearts, transforming hearts, giving us new hearts, transforming us from the inside out. I don't know about you, Labor Day is always the day where we cook hot dogs. We may cook other things, but we cook hot dogs on Labor Day because it's, it's, it's an anointed meal. It's an anointed meal on a special anointed day, Labor Day, where we celebrate all the ladies who have gone through labor. No, I'm just kidding. That's not why we do it. But in our house, we do. We celebrate, we celebrate the ladies, all right? And, and we, I make, we make hot dogs, among other things. But this Labor Day... Um, I, I acted too fast. I was too hungry, too quick, and I go to put the mustard and the ketchup on, and you know what comes out? Not the mustard, not the ketchup. It's the mustard juice and the ketchup juice. Come on, come on somebody. You know, you know how that can ruin an entire hot dog. It has to go to the trash. We're going to start all over in Jesus' name. Just kidding. I'm, I'm not that picky, but <laughs> the Lord gave me strength to partake. But, but, but the question is, what's, inside, what's, what's on the inside? What's in the internal world? There's an internal world and there's an external world. And we as Christians, many times we're so focused on trying to fix the external world, to try to, to try to manage the external world, and God keeps reminding us, go back to the internal world. James chapter 4 and 1 says this, what causes the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You know why there's wars on the outside? Because there's a war on the inside. You have a divided heart. Your heart hasn't been reconciled. There's something in you that God, you haven't allowed God to finish that work. And so because there's a war inside, there's wars on the outside. Don't they come from evil desires? You want uh, what, what you don't have, so you scheme and you kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from them, etc., etc., etc. So here's the point. We fall internally before we fall externally. We fall internally before we fall externally. Your outside life is your reputation with people. Your inside life is your reputation with God. Your outside life is what you possess. Your inside life is what possesses you. Your outside life is what you do, but your inside life is who you are, and God cares more about the inside life than the outside life. First Peter chapter 3, 3 through 4 says this, your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and wearing of gold jewelry and fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of the inner self, the unfading beauty of the gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. Now, it's not saying you can't do your hair and brush your teeth. Please do your hair and brush your teeth. You can pluck your eyebrows, do whatever you want. But here's what it's saying. What is premier? And what, what God looks at is not the outside. It's the inside. It's the inside world. Matthew 15 and 8 says this. These people honor me with their lips, 
but they are, their hearts are far from me. You know, you can give lip service and you can say the right things and you can act. You say, I love you, brother, but your heart doesn't love. You, you can have this cognitive dissonance between what you do and what you really are. And this is the, this is the cognitive dissonance that, that, that feels like the VHS uh, movies back in the day. Remember whenever the words and the, and the, the picture were off, and they were a little delayed, and you're like, this is not fun to watch. And there are people who what we do and what we're saying and what we are, there's just something off. It's not right. There's a cognitive dissonance deep inside of us. There's something not aligned. There's a disparity deep inside of our heart, and our hearts produce an environment that attracts things to it. Your heart has an environment. Why? Because we put things in our heart. Job talked about it. Job 31 and 33. He said, I've if I have concealed my sins as people do by hiding my guilt in my heart. How many of you, of you here have taken your guilt and taken your shame and taken your pain and you've stuffed it deep inside, hoping that somehow that would just bury it and that it would just go away? And what happens is, is when, when, you have, um, when you have stagnant water, what does it do? It attracts mosquitoes. Now, I know you don't know about mosquitoes, but I'm from Texas, and the mosquito is the state bird, and they're pretty massive, about yay big, and they're like dragons flying around Texas, and it's real, and the, the struggle is real, so God bless you for being in California, the promised land, hallelujah, amen. But, but, but stagnant water attracts mosquitoes, and, and, and whenever you have trash that's just, just out, it, it attracts rodents, and, and there, there's a fragrance in your heart that's attracting something like its kind, and when there's goodness, and there's virtue, and there's righteousness, and the word is living in your heart, it attracts promises, and attracts open doors, but when it's full of guilt, and shame, and, and fleshly desires, all of a sudden, you start attracting things that come into agreement with your sickness, come into agreement with your bad attitude. Things that will applaud you for acting that way. Things that, will, things that will celebrate your brokenness and keep you from really finding healing. And so we need God to transform us. This was Saul's problem. Saul, Saul's heart was evil, and he attracted evil spirits. And he had to get David with a good heart who had the presence of God attracted to him. And when the presence of God moved into the room, as David is playing the harp, those evil spirits would leave for a moment. So we have to check our heart. As the heart goes, so our life goes. Matthew chapter 6 and 20. I want you to see this, uh, these five verses. Matthew 6 and 20. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and ver vermin do not destroy. I love that word vermin. It just, it's awesome. And where thieves and do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Your heart goes ahead of you. Where your heart goes, your life flows. Where is your heart? Where is your heart? The eyes of the lamp are of the body. When your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. And if then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? And here's what it boils down to. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon or money. So here's what we say around here. We say, aim your appetite. Aim your appetite. You know what's interesting is, is they found in a study, they found that people who had a heart transplant, that they would actually take on the appetite of the donor who gave the heart. This is in the medical journal. They started to find that people who never, I guess, maybe caviar, they're like, I'm craving caviar. Oh, the, the guy who had the heart, he, he craved caviar. When, when we get the right heart, our cravings come into alignment with the heart that we have, where your heart goes, your life flows. What is your heart pursuing? 
What is preeminent in your life? We reprioritize our lives on what matters most to our hearts. People say, I don't have the time. No, no, no. Don't ever use that to, with me ever again. Don't ever say, I don't have the time. Just say this, it's not a priority to me. Because that's the truth. We prioritize based where our heart is. Little Jude, my nine-year-old, the guy who is getting blow pops and he's, he's ordering stuff on Amazon, he's brilliant. He, he, he looks on Amazon and he's fixated on things. He'll, he'll buy it before he buys it. You know what I'm talking about? Like when you, guys, you know what I'm talking about. You get online and you see those golf clubs and you, you've been looking at them for, for, for five months. And you already bought it. You know you're going to spend the money. You, your heart already bought it before you bought it with money. Right? This is what Jude does. And he's fixated on Indiana Jones and Rocky Balboa. These are those two, the two. And, and so it's always Indiana Jones clothes and the whip and this and that. And it's always, now it's Rocky with the, with the shorts and, and he, wants to, he wants to work out. He doesn't know his dad, really doesn't know boxing or karate yet or ninja. He will find out probably when he turns 10 or 11, it's going to be a terrible day. But he, he's fixed it. And what he does now is he'll find it on Amazon and he'll get my phone and he'll put it up to my hand and he'll try to get my thumb to touch and purchase it. So I have to walk around my house with my, my thumbs hid because little Jude has already set his heart on these products. You know what I'm talking about. We do it. We fixate. We buy it before we buy it because there's an economy in our heart. And all economies are based on a highest good and greatest commodity value, currency and value. Whatever is valued the most, if it's... The U.S. dollar used to be connected to um, uh, the, the gold, and, and the British uh, sterling silver used to be connected to silver, and now it's all fiat money, and it's, doesn't, it's not connected to anything. Aren't you glad about that? Um, but it's, it was always connected to barley or wheat or something, the greatest good and the greatest commodity in the land, because this is, this is preeminent. This is premier. And, and the, the economy of your heart will always be connected to what you value most. If you seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, then everything cas cascades down from that value system. If you value comfort, and this is the epitome of our, of, our, of our country, you know, comfort is the, you know, our idea of life is like one day being on a beach with a virgin pina colada, sitting there with our feet up and doing Instagram, and this is the life. And, 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 then, and then after a couple of weeks, you're like, I'm bored. I, I'm not adding value to anything or anyone. But that's like the, the mirage that we chase is comfort, comfort. It even gets into Christianity. We've taken the American dream and we've Christianized it. We've sanctified it. We've wrapped it in swaddling clothes and laid it in a manger and called it holy. And so what we do is we call our laziness carefulness. We call our indifference waiting on Jesus. We call our lack of love for people. That's just not my gifting. Why? Because it was never in your heart to begin with. We couldn't talk you into it. It wasn't something that could be preached and just go into your mind. It had to be a new heart because the new heart opens the new door with the new spirit that adds the new grace that God allows you to step into a new season that changes your life and brings destiny and legacy. And it always begins with heart. Here's what I love about David. David didn't start with gift. He started with heart. You don't think about David the king and you go, man, slingshots. The guy was good at slingshots. He has slingshot companies everywhere, all over Israel. He has stores. That's his thing, the slingshot guy. His gift was a byproduct of his heart. His heart was to take care of his dad's stuff. What do you want me to do, dad? Take care of the sheep. I'll do it. What do you want me to do, dad? 
go take enchiladas to my brothers who are in battle, I'll do it. He just, he would do whatever he had to do because it was his heart. God says, that's what I can anoint. The anointing found the heart. It didn't find a gift. It didn't find a stature. It didn't find a a business card. It found a heart. And when the anointing touches a pure and honest and humble heart, the world can be changed. In fact, Jesus, he said, I am he which was dead and is alive. I am the son of David. He he, He connected his life to the legacy of David because God is attracted to heart. There's something about it. Even after he was anointed, he still was serving his dad. He's still serving his brothers. Hey, can you take those enchiladas to your brothers on the battlefield? See, when you're serving, if you're, too, if, you're, if you're too big to serve, you're too small to lead, and it really is a posture, and there's something about the heart and the, the posture of the heart, and we're now in a, a church age where it's all about my gift, my gift, my gift, and it's, I, I, I can't take a mop, I gotta have a mic, and, and, and if, if you do it to the least of these, and we go, I'll just, just put me somewhere, I just wanna serve in some way, I'll show up early to the small group and, and minister to that one person, but no one's gonna see it on Instagram, and no one's gonna see it online, it's not gonna be a big deal, no, it's just my heart. I love people. I want to make a difference. It always starts with heart. The anointing always finds those who start with heart. And even after he's anointed, he's still serving. And when you have the heart, the anointing finds you. When you have the heart, the opportunity finds you. He's there going, why is no one fighting this Goliath? He had the right heart. Heart opens doors. It opens doors. I was talking to uh, a minister in, in Israel. The morning before we left, we, we were we, we had breakfast and just talking about the church. And he said, man, yeah, we're under great persecution, the, the church here in Israel. People don't even know about it. And it's not from the Arabs. It's from the Orthodox Jews. And, and it's, it's kind of an interesting dynamic and dichotomy there. But long story short, he goes, but our people are thriving because the highest value system in their mind is not their comfort. It's the kingdom. They're like, if we're suffering and it allows the name of Jesus to be preached in this land, then so be it. It challenged my heart. It awakened something in me. And here's the bottom line. The greatest evil that your heart can do, it's not worshiping the devil. You know, I'm a devil worshiper. Baal. Now, that's not the great temptation to worship, you know, uh, a man with a cloak and, a, you know, horns and a pitchfork. For me, for my life, and my life today and my life to come, The greatest battle of my heart will be called the religion of Chad, the God of Chad, the kingdom of Chad, because my heart, the screensaver of my heart will always be selfish. It will always want to serve me first, always. And so I have to continually tear down the idol of Chadwick Everett King and say no to the kingdom of Chadwick Everett King. And say no to the religion of Chadwick ever king. And you're going to have to get serious with your heart and say, my greatest charity is myself. No, the outflow of your life should not be back into yourself. It should be into others. Christianity is not self-help. It's self-denial. It's taking up your cross. It's not climbing the ladder. Jesus already did that. It's staying low and going slow and saying, Lord, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. It's relinquishing control like David and saying, the Lord is my shepherd. 
I shall not want. It's the attitude of Paul where he first says, I'm the chief of the apostles. Then he said, I'm the least of the apostles. And then he says, I'm the chief of all sinners. He began to get it as he walked more and more with the Lord. That's why God is, the Bible says he's close to the brokenhearted. Because when your heart is broken, the idol of self, the mirror of self is smashed. And now God can move in and begin to work in your life. Because the greatest idol in your life is you. One of my favorite quotes and I, I, it's, it's now been in my, my tool belt for, for about nine months, and I've been just memorizing it, thinking about it, meditating on it. Dennis Peacock, in his writings, he says this. He says, the, the, the mind, uh, why don't we have, why don't you say it out loud? The mind justifies what the heart has already chosen. I want you to think about that for a moment. Our heart has an appetite. We choose with our heart, and then our mind begins to justify that decision. We shape our worldview and our mindset based on what our heart has already chosen. It's challenged me down to my bone, the motive of why I do what I do. I want to know, Lord, is my heart really after you, a man after God's own heart? I want a heart. That's after your heart. God specializes in heart. I love this, this statement. Jesus didn't come to change our behavior. He came to change our God. The God of our heart, our passion, our affection. God specializes in heart. John 2 and 23 says this, because of the miraculous signs Jesus did in Jerusalem at the Passover celebration, many begin to trust in him. But Jesus didn't trust them because he knew all about people. No one needed to tell him about human nature for he knew what was in each person's heart. They're saying the right thing, but their motive was wrong. Come on, be king. Do something great. John chapter 2, this is the beginning of his ministry. They just want a change. They just want something. God sees the heart. Psalms 139 and 1, O Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. Does that spook you out a little bit? God knows everything about you. Every thought, every intent, your will, your compulsions, your spiritual aptitude and appetite, God knows everything about your heart. 1 Kings 8, 39, for you alone know each human heart. God speaks heart. I love what Augustine said, one of the great Christian fathers, brilliant, had a huge sexual addiction. And his story of coming out, he said, he said I hid myself behind myself. Until God brought me out from behind myself, finally I saw myself, and then I saw God. I was hiding behind my vices. But I love what Augustine says here. He says, God will bypass the prayers of your lips to answer the prayer of your heart. We can say prayers that aren't really coming from the heart. It, we wax eloquent. We sound, we, we sound so spiritual, but it's not really the echo of the heart. God speaks heart. You ever walked into a circle of people talking, and they're talking about something you have no idea about? You know, 
walk into, like, there's a group of, of, of guys and gals in this church who drive motorcycles, and, and I'm jealous a little bit because my wife won't let me have a motorcycle till I'm 98, you know? It's like, you can have a bicycle with training wheels. All right, I'll do that. And not really, but, but you know, walk in, and they're like, oh, yeah, I was going down the cruise and the, and the, the engine of the nine so and so, and you're like, mm, that's awesome, man. Cool, and you have no idea what they're Are you walk into a conversation with a bunch of mechanics? They're like, yeah, that carburetor, 9R, 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 4 9 was like so messed up, <laughs> and I had to order from the Blia in, in San Jose, and they, oh, you know how they always are, and you're just like, mm, yeah, oh, hate that when that happens, you know, and, and you, you don't speak their language, right? <laughs> you don't speak that dialect. God speaks heart. His number one language is heart. He knows how to speak to your heart. If you will ask God, Lord, open my heart and let me hear what you're saying. God speaks heart. He can do it audibly. He can do it through prophecy. He can do it through words and knowledge. He can do all that. But God speaks heart. He wants to speak to your heart. He wants to renew your heart. And can I just tell you, when God starts doing a work, we're gonna, he's going to storm the Area 51 in your heart and get all those secrets out and start pulling it out and start getting the mess out and getting the trash out. And God wants to heal your heart. And he wants to give you a new heart. And he wants to give you new thoughts. And he wants to give you a new mind. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. You become a new person when you get a new heart. Everything changes. I love what C.S. Lewis says. C.S. Lewis says when Jesus comes into your heart, he doesn't just put a couple pictures up in the, in the house and, and, and move some furniture around. He, he starts knocking down walls and remodeling the entire house when, when Jesus comes into your heart. But here, here's the key. It has to be an inside job. Ezekiel 11 and 9 says this. I will give them... <coughs> an undivided heart, and put a new spirit in them. I will remove from them their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. Then they will follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. All right. I want to submit to you this idea that you can't fully follow God's plan for your life with the heart you have now. The heart you have now, if it's unregenerated, it's not a new heart regenerated by the power of the Spirit. It has old appetites. It has other agendas. I mean, you're excited about living for God. But I, I feel like there, there has to be a pressing in the church again. An earnest pressing, not a passive whatever happens. If God wills it, he'll do it. But leaning in and saying, God Maybe leaving here and bypassing in and out, going to your house, shutting the house down, going to your room, turning the phone off, get next to the bed, on your knees, and plead with God until you get a new heart and a new craving and a new spirit that opens up a new door in your life because the only way to fulfill God's plan in your life is a new heart. In fact, Jesus deals with this dichotomy. He says, look, an evil tree cannot produce good fruit. This is religious. This is what I, not directly but indirectly, was kind of raised with and taught. Like, you're a, you know, you got to produce, produce. And I, I'm in, like, my heart is not right, but I got to perform and produce. And it didn't work. And there was so much condemnation because I couldn't. And I was trying to do it through effort and trying instead of trusting. And when I let God change my heart, then I went from an evil tree, my heart, 
to a righteous, a good, healthy tree. And now the fruit began to grow easily. I didn't have to try. It was just the product of the changed heart and changed life, the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Word. Can I tell you, there's two things that can do the inside job to open up the breastplate, to open up the cavity and look deep inside. It's the Holy Spirit and it's the Word of God. And when you let the Holy Spirit and the Word begin to operate on your heart, it changes everything. I needed the Holy Spirit. I needed the fire. I needed the tongues of fire. I needed to be broken. 19, going to Bible college, learning, growing, and then realize my heart is wicked. My motives are wrong. There's things that I've carried and I've buried and I pretended and I pretended holiness, but I wasn't holy. Grew up in church. Both my parents are pastor's kids. Both my grandparents are pastors. Lived a good life, but my heart was wicked and deceitful. And I laid in my room for two weeks, weeping and crying and fasting until God pulled the old heart out. It hurt. It wasn't comfortable. And God put a new heart in. And something shifted in my life because I wasn't satisfied with the cravings and the impetus of my life. There's got to be a fire set inside of us for the next, for the new. Because with the new heart comes a new spirit. And with the new spirit comes an open door, and the open door produces a new grace. God wants this for us. Jeremiah 31 and 33 says this, but this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my instructions deep within them, and I will write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. And so we, we celebrate this like, oh, so now the commandments aren't in our, our head, they're in our heart. Good, it's in our heart, not our head. Awesome. We don't just memorize it, but it's, it's, it's in our heart. That sounds great. But what is it really saying? It means that he's branding his law, his word, his nature into our nature, a new nature. It's not just the Spirit of God. It's the Holy Spirit of God. When you receive the Holy Spirit, His holy nature is now living inside of you, changing your heart. I love what James McDonald said. He said, holiness is character before it's ever conduct. It's the very nature of God reproduced in the heart of man. So can I tell you this? You can't do this on your own. We need a supernatural touch, every one of us in this room, for God to change and transform our hearts. Our old heart with our old appetite will keep us back in the old place. Like a lady at a well, he said, are you thirsty? Appetite. Yeah, I mean, I come every day and drink from this well. Yeah, but... I want to give you something that you will never thirst again. Where's your husband? Uh, I don't have a husband. You're right. You've had five husbands. Huh. Okay, awkward. <laughs> you know. Check, please. You know. <laughs> He's like, your issue is what you've been craving you haven't found yet. The only thing that will fit, fill the hole in your soul is Jesus Christ. The only thing that can heal the broken heart is you opening your heart to the mighty 
powerful work of Jesus. Right where you are, would you close your eyes and would you bow your head? I want to pray for you. As we take this journey, we're going to be confronted with pains and some scars and we're going to find ourselves feeling some pain. We're going to find ourselves addressing some things that have been buried for a long time. But the discomfort in the moment will produce freedom for life. If you're here today and you say, you know what? I need a new heart. Would you raise your hand right where you are? I can't fulfill my assignment without a new heart. David fails and he says, create in me a clean heart, O God. Reneweth in me a right spirit. I need a work. I can't fix this. You have to fix this, this inner world. Heavenly Father, right now we earnestly contend for our future with bold prayers that don't come from the mind but come from the heart. A cry that says there is more. There is freedom and there is life. The enemy came to kill and still and destroy but you came to give life and life more abundantly. I speak over every person in this room that raised their hand. I pray over every person whose heart has run amok and, and, and it's gone before them. The appetite, the desire as our heart goes, our life flows. And Lord, you're giving us a new heart for a new kind of life, for a new future, Lord. Baptize us afresh with that fire, like in the book of Acts, where it came as an outpouring, filling our cup and spilling over, Lord. Let it move on every heart and every home and every mind and every spirit, Lord. You're doing something new. You're calling this church to persevere, to press in, to reach for the kingdom, to fight for the new and the anointing Lord and to call out to God give me that heart that changes the world in Jesus name in Jesus name in Jesus name in Jesus name if that's you here today nobody looking around but I do want you to stand if you're if you're here today and that's your heart and you're saying my heart is for a new heart my desire is for that new heart I know God's been calling he's been speaking heart to me and I'm ready for the new. I'm ready for the new season. I'm ready for the next thing. I'm ready for God to change my heart. There's some addictions. There's some proclivities. And I can't break them in my own strength. I need that tree to be changed from wicked to good. That nature from old nature to new supernatural nature. I want you to stand right now in Jesus' name. I want you to stand right now in Jesus' name. For he whom the Son has set free is free indeed. Break the shackles off of every heart. You said that you would heal the brokenhearted. That you would give recovery of sight to the blind. Set at liberty those who are bruised. We cry out to you, Lord, together. Search our hearts. Search our hearts, Lord. Search every motive. Search the mind of our spirit. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, would you just raise your hand if you're standing and invite the power of the Holy Spirit into your life and say, Lord, I need to be baptized afresh with a fresh anointing. Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. We cry out to you, Lord. 
all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our strength, all of our strength in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us. Our vision is for all to know Jesus and follow him fully by knowing God, finding freedom, discovering purpose, and making a difference. If you want to learn more about our ministry or how you can take your next step in following Jesus, visit our website at thepromisecenter.com.